Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters. I'm joined by Dan and Connor. Hello. Hello, chaps. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that you missed the point. No one is dying for this and OK Boomer. Mm. So that'll be the thing. I have no announcements to make, so let's get into the news. All right. So we're all very familiar with how the neoliberal view on immigration treats people like fungible consumer units or economic integers and not the bearers of civilization with various cultural prejudices that people have. So I thought I'd just torture you with how that particular regime is just going to roll on. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, Im- immigration salience has kind of reached a fever pitch, but we're just yeah. going to keep pushing until they actually do something about it. That'd be that'd be yeah. useful for once. So here's the first thing that happened about a, a week or so ago. The Treasury uh, had told Rishi Sunak, right ahead of him becoming Prime Minister, this is in 2022, that they should boost immigration instead of cutting taxes. Because that's worked wonderfully for bolstering economic growth, hasn't it? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure if you put that to uh, you know a, a vote nationwide, I'm, I'm sure everyone would choose the same thing. Hmm, quite. Not like the Brexit referendum was about specifically lowering migration or anything. This sort of logic doesn't shock me. So when I went to Conservative Party conference, there was a big think tank debate, and it was between the Adam Smith Institute, the Institute for Economic Affairs, who we'll be mentioning momentarily, Policy Exchange, and Centre for Policy Studies. And two of them were for and two of them were against increasing immigration. And the fellow from the Adam Smith Institute turned around and said, well, the Treasury Green Book says we need at least 200,000 net increase of immigration every single year. So we should go by the Treasury orthodoxy. It doesn't matter where they're from. It just matters that we need to battery farm bodies and they're just as productive as the yeah, next I, one. I have looked into their, their methodology and um, basically it's shit. It, 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 it's, it's full of nonsense assumptions that basically, well, like you say, everybody is interchangeable. That Somebody fresh off the boat from Cameroon is equally as productive as somebody who was born and raised here, speaks the language and knows the culture. Yeah, if only they took a look at the study from the Netherlands that both Callum and I covered about a week or so ago now, where they found out that North Africans, people from Turkey and the Middle East are never net economic contributors for the rest of their lives. But but hey-ho, so according to leaked Treasury documents presented to Sunak's senior team in late 2022, civil servants, those wonderful people who are always acting in our interest, said personal tax cuts would have a low impact on boosting economic growth, despite coming at a medium fiscal cost. A source close to the Prime Minister said, get a load of this, advisors advise and ministers decide. This advice was wrong, but ministers disregarded it and decided to cut taxes and have been proven right. But we had net record migration since then, you yeah. only decided to cut migration when everyone noticed we had rep- net record migration, and you browned your pants thinking this is going to torpedo us in the polls. And even then, you only cut it by a little bit. So, no, yeah. minister decided to flood our country with foreigners, but there you go. So the OBR, which is the Office for Budgetary Responsibility, had warned in November that while the economy was now larger than pre-COVID size, this has been driven by a higher population amid a surge in net migration. GDP per head is still roughly 0.6% below its pre-pandemic peak. So GDP is going up because the number of net people and the number of government spending on net people is going up, but GDP per capita is still down, so we're still poorer. Yeah. And, and it's only 06 below because they rigged the numbers for inflation. Hmm. So it's, it's actually lower than that. I mean, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving being bankrupt. Great, great fun, that. So still, um, have you considered that mass migration is the backbone of the uh, UK economy, despite this? this? This is why I don't take any of this seriously, because it's just like, you know you're lying at this point, or you're actually retarded. I don't know what to do with these people. There, there, yes. is, a, there is a bit in here that would point towards the latter of this man being not, not too bright. I mean, so, so this, this guy, just for a bit of background, he's the chief foreign affairs columnist for the Financial Times since 2006. And despite being involved in foreign affairs, um, he endorsed Barack Obama twice and defended the invasion of Syria. And he's also a Remainer. So I wouldn't 
take his track record of predictions to be all, all that bright. Um, and he wrote a 2010, 2010 book called Zero Sum World. And he said the period of globalization leading up to 2008 was a win-win world. Yes, I'm really glad that we offshored all of our manufacturing capacity and enriched our enemy China and then cut our nose off to spite our face with Russia. But brilliant, great, great record, Gideon Rackman. But anyway, so he said, he starts off with Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech in this particular one. And he said, perhaps Powell's foreboding is being borne out more than 50 years after his speech, or perhaps not. There are two major flaws in the idea that mass immigration was a mistake now ripping Western society apart. Well, open your curtains once in a while and you'll be able to see that that's the case. But first, the idea that ethnic homogeneity used to guarantee social peace in the West is an obvious nonsense. And he points to the wars between the English and the French, or the fact that the Koreans have been at each other's throats for ages, to say that ethnic homogeneity does not increase peace. Well, also, there's semi-regular wars between the Indians and Pakistanis every time there's a cricket match on. Yeah, in, in Leicester. I'm really glad we've yes. supported that particular mm. conflict. It's so almost, just by not serious. Yeah. It's just like, if you have homogeneity in ethnic uh, categories, therefore you won't have conflict ever. No one's saying that. Like, of course, there's still conflict between, as careerics shows, communists and non-communists. They're just not serious, just not a serious person, mm. even engaging on any serious terms. Yes, but I think part of the reason is it's the arrogance that enough suppression of the native culture as to not provoke the new arrivals and enough economic prosperity will make converts of everyone into this like woolly multicultural ideal where no one will ever fight, and it's just a pipe dream. It's just blank slate. BS, but it won't stop some of the boomers from buying into it, either disingenuously or sincerely. And the second one, he says, the social and economic costs of severely curtailing immigration would be enormous. Many of the people who now complain about too many immigrants would be outraged by the costs of having too few. Opponents of mass immigration say it imposes heavy economic and social costs, like Matt Goodwin, who says close to half of all social housing in London goes to households headed by someone who is not born in Britain, and that that's not sustainable. People seem to toss and turn in their sleep at night being aggravated by Goodwin's point on social housing because there's another article on that shortly. They just can't fathom that we shouldn't be housing the entire third world at our expense, but but whatever. And he says, this is hardly surprising since 41% of Londoners were born overseas. And if you include people like me whose parents are born overseas, the number of Londoners with a migration background is far higher. Aha, yes, of course social housing goes to foreigners because most of your city is foreigners. Checkmate. It's like, <laughs> that's the problem. Not That's, a single house should be going to them. They're foreigners. This is why I'm saying you're missing the point, either deliberately or because you're thick as concrete, like Mike Graham could have grown you. Could it be that high levels of immigration are actually a large part of the London success story? Prepare for the meme. That's all I'm going to say. Take the migrants out of London and the city would stop functioning. The other day, I had my hair cut by a Syrian barber. Cash only, I'm sure. They traveled, then traveled to a doctor's appointment in an Uber driven by a Nigerian. At the hospital, I had a scan carried out by two Spaniards before going to see my Delhi-trained specialist. Britain's much-prized NHS would in fact collapse without the contribution of immigrants. Some 35% of doctors working in the NHS are overseas nationals. Now, we've broken down before that yes. actually um, that's not really the, the case that the NHS would collapse without migrants because it predated migrants and it was running not at a net cost that was bankrupting the country. But it, well, it's quite simple. The proportion up. of foreigners in the NHS is smaller than the proportion of foreigners in the population. That are using the NHS yes. for free. So if you, if you took out both sides at the same time, you know, uh, God forbid that were to happen, but if you were, um, then actually the pressure on the NHS would be reduced. 
We'll get to how supply and demand doesn't exist shortly. Don't yes. worry. But but anyway, speaking of supply and demand, let's talk about social housing because we've we've already mentioned the spectre of Matt Goodwin, who leans looms large over these people's minds. Go and watch my interview with him on the website if you fancy getting some background on his his take on things. So here's an IEA article. I actually tweeted uh, this article out later on, and the the author replied to me, and I said, well, even if we could just build flat pack human battery farm tower blocks ad infinitum. What's our obligation to house the entire third world if it doesn't make our country a better cultural place? We're not yeah. negotiating just the, the pressure on social housing. The point is, why are all these foreigners here in the first place if they're not cultural and economic contributors? And the guy replied, who's going to tell him? Tell me what? I'm, I'm not negotiating the infinite housing of foreigners, thank you very much. That's not the point. But anyway, says it about Goodwin. Goodwin's detractors describe him as a far-right ethnic nationalist, BMP-style rhetoric, etc. Unfortunately, though, none of Goodwin's detractors asked what, to me, is the most obvious question on this matter. Now, what do you think someone's housing policy from the Institute of Economic Affairs, a neoliberal Westminster think tank, is going to be? Any guesses, gentlemen? Everything is fine. I, I, I used to subscribe to the IEA and get all of their books, and I just gave up because... You tell me, what, what is their view? Why are we even having this conversation? Why does it matter exactly how social housing is allocated? The reason why it matters, of course, is that demand for social housing vastly outstrips the supply of it. There are many more people who are applying for social housing flats than there are social housing flats. Oh, infinitely build more houses. Why didn't I think of that? Just keep building houses. Never never question the demand. Just keep building houses. Yeah, I mean, Nimitz has, has sort of got a point, but there is plenty of land that could be used for housing, you know, scrubland and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of agree with some of his points. But what's the point if it's just going to get subsumed by an incoming tide rather than actually solving social problems here? Well, the house building target, I think, is 300,000 a year. We build 200,000 a year, but net migration is 700,000 a year. Yeah. Plus, we've got high rates of family breakups, so more people than ever are raising kids across two households. And so yeah. you are never going to keep pace with house building if you import a city the size of Birmingham plus to the UK every single year. Mm. But noticing that fact is, is just an issue. And again, why are we obliged to house the entire third world? I mean, Eric Kaufman, again, interviewed on the website, please go watch, very interesting fellow in White Shift, turned around and, and said, actually, a lot of the time, arguments about logistics for immigration, like the NHS cost or housing cost, they're all well and good to have, but you can actually lose ground if you're just arguing that for the equally important and natural concern of, no, I want ethnic and cultural homogeneity because I want to belong to a country. I want to have mm. high-trust neighborhoods. This is what Robert Putnam observed. If you increase diversity, cultural and ethnic, in places, the only thing that goes up is TV watching, because people are more atomized and stay inside, or protest marches, because you have different fractionating fighting interest groups. It turns out that diversity is a weakness, or entertainment is not a strength. And so mm. arguing in favor of, well, even if we could just spawn houses, like we're playing Zoo Tycoon or something, then why, why should I want to house the entire third world? Is it going to make my country a more welcoming and, and uh, at-home-feeling place? No. Well, there is a way to do immigration in a way that had broad support. I mean, if it was people who genuinely had high skills, you know, um, you know South Korean electrical engineers and New Zealand um, oncologists or something. Swedish women. 
and, and yes, and and Swedish women with a BMI below twenty five or something. Is that a big night? I forget now. But anyway, the point is, there is a way of doing it that you could get some broad support, but not the way they're doing it, and not when it's three times the rate of house building. Yeah, not as Connie Druckpub would tweet out, yes. uh, "Infinite Africans." No, thank you. Yes. Yeah, not 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 quite. Yes. Not every immigrant is the same. Now, on the social housing thing, the the Tories have turned around, and because Matt Goodwin actually leverages pressure on on places like GB News, uh, they've this has been leaked as an exclusive to The Guardian. They're trying to prioritise British homes for British workers. That's going to be the, the slogan. This is what Downing Street is coming out with. No, so the, not. Well, no, no, no. They're launching a consultation. Yeah. So they're going to ask a bunch of their donors and a bunch of public pressure groups. And when then all the public pressure groups turn around and say, actually, no, this is racist, they're going to say, well, public didn't want us to do it. So even Gordon Brown did this. When Gordon Brown was walking up to his massive election defeat in 2000, late 2009, he started coming out with this British jobs for big British workers thing. Mm. This is just something that British politicians do just before they lose an election. Mm. Well, same thing with uh, Joe Biden adopting uh, Made in America slogans from Donald Trump now that the economy is going in the toilet. and mm. He's looking to win over any other demographic than just single liberal white women because he's going to lose all that lot. But So apparently, according to this article, advisors to the Prime Minister originally wanted to include a bill titled British Homes for British Workers in the King's speech, but instead decided to focus on the reform of the rental and leasehold markets according to the priorities of Michael Gove. Michael Gove, as per usual, sabotaging things in favour of his boomers and donors. Uh, so the relative lack of social housing, uh, coupled with record immigration levels, with The Guardian reports that, has left ministers looking for a way to prioritise British people on the waiting list. One option would be to discriminate on the basis of nationality. But such a move is likely to foul, fall afoul of equalities law. The Blair laws that were done on the way out and the Conservatives still haven't repealed. Yes. Thanks very much. A more plausible change would be to bar refugees from gaining access to social housing. But this would be controversial, given that those who have successfully been given refugee status are supposed to be allowed to have full access to social benefits. Why are we giving benefits to foreigners? Why well, are you also, getting it all? Surely there's enough pro-refugee people in this country that they can just go in the spare bedroom. I'm sure Gary Linnick has many sofas with lots of room for them. Yes, exactly. He's absolutely going to uphold his standard to take in... But if I got into power, the first thing I'd do is I'd run a referendum. Should we have high immigration or not? Hmm. And when we get the results back in, all the people who ticked yes, just say, okay, we're going to empty out the social housing and put them in your spare bedroom then. Yeah. There we go. Just just hide it in the in the small print at the bottom. That clearly oh, yeah. Nobody nobody ever reads. So, but British homes for British workers. Okay. Even though I'm not a big fan of social housing, even though I don't trust the Tories to do it, it seems to be a fair sentiment to at least prioritise when you're making policy the people who have nowhere else to go to that vote you in and you're meant to be governing over with consideration. Well, it turns out also according to the Guardian that this is a centuries-old xenophobic slogan by Keenan Malik, ah, British man. That's the yes, quite, quite, yes. Uh, th this is an interesting start here. Right, let's read. Not a day passes, but English families are ruthlessly turned out to make room for foreign invaders. Quote, they can't get a home for their children. They see black and ethnic minority communities moving in and are angry. And quote, millions of ordinary people up and down Britain are utterly fed up with how immigration is driving up house prices, rents, and flooding social housing. Now, these are three quotes across 120 years. The first from Tory MP Stepney, uh, from for the Stepney, William Evans Gordon, in a debate in 1902, the second from a newspaper interview in 2006 by new Labour minister Margaret Hodge, and the third from a Spectator article by Matt Goodwin. Ooh. I was thinking this was quite based for a Guardian article, but... And he's whining about it. I see. Right. Yes, yes. So 
Uh, British homes for British workers may be an empty slogan, but it's one that Evans Gordon would have understood, implicit in the sentiment that echoes across the century, at the heart of which was, is a concern for less, less for working class well-being than for pinning on immigrants the blame for the failures of social policy to improve working class lives. Again, demand has absolutely no stress on supply. Just ignore it. It's just build more houses and give more subsidies to poor white English people who used to have white privilege yesterday, but all of a sudden they're now systemically disadvantaged because it's convenient to the narrative. That's okay. All right, fine, whatever. So we've already agreed that we need infinite Africans here. So we're stuck with that. The Tory party think that's a foregone conclusion. So do the Treasury. So at least we can make them contributors, right? So at least they can contribute to the economy. They can they can they can be uh, great bastions to the to the right. second empire that we're going to launch, I, I suppose, at some point. Uh, Josh noticed just outside our, our office we have Migrant Tower. So that's uh, one of the one of the migrant battery farms, and we've noticed a lot of bicycles parked outside there recently. And one of them has a Just Eat bag behind it. Now that's curious because these are all illegal immigrants or asylum seekers who aren't meant to be working. And so Josh just tweeted out. Now the fascinating thing is that. Just Eat, the official Twitter account, like to reply to one of Josh's tweets dunking on Josh or attempting to dunk on Josh. So the Just Eat Twitter account, Josh has a screenshot of this, by the way, are acknowledging the fact that illegals are working for them. Curious. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Reem, who's a friend of mine, Reem Reem Ibrahim, uh, nice girl, dim on politics, she works for the IEA. And she said, the law should change. There's no reason why those waiting on the asylum backlog should be forced to be reliant on the taxpayer. Let them work. Ah, that won't be a draw for illegal trafficking and illegal migration and endless channel migrants coming across at all, will it? That won't be a problem. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, a tertiary effect to what is you know, a, a downstream problem. They, they just shouldn't be letting in the first place. It's almost like they're missing the point. Yes, yes, quite. Yeah, do you know who else has missed the point? Uh, it turns out the government, because they've been giving channel migrants the right to work ah, in the UK right. now. Yeah. No, so no. in care? In, in the UK. In, 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 actually... So, in, so, hang on, hang on. Cha- so, so these military-age males ah. who have no regard for our social norms are going to be put into care. They have no regard for the law, so they're going to take care of your grandma, and trust me, they won't beat her. Yeah, or and they can definitely speak English and will be able to respond to 999 calls when she's injured and, oh, look, she's dead. Well, so did you see the WHO survey of people that work in care homes? And they said that uh, I think there's one in three had admitted to abusing a patient. Yeah. It's going to only get better. I just. <laughs> I told you I'd, uh, I'd make you all mir- miserable, didn't I? So let's go into the details this of this. This is what I mean by like the start of that, where if politicians say anything in the Conservative Party, it's just lies. I'm so bored of having to sit there and take them seriously. Like, you people are just mm. awful. Like, the things you have done are unconscionable as a group. And this is why I think they deserve extermination of the polls. Quite. And they're, they're looking yeah. to get it. So 15,706 asylum seekers. This is about a third of the 51-odd thousand in the claims backlog. But, I mean, the claims backlog's even higher than that. The last I heard of it, it was about 98,000. So, you know, substantial. They were granted work permits, according to a Freedom of Information request the Telegraph has published. And these are in sectors like care, as we've said, construction, and farming. Farming. At a time that we're paying British farmers to retire based on their climate emissions. Great, thanks. You are just being replaced by infinite foreigners. And, and, and also, I've got this sneaking suspicion that won't go away, that part of this whole debate about conscription is basically so that a short while down the line they can say, oh, look, nobody wanted to be conscripted. We're going to put the boat people in the army. 
because that worked really well for the Roman Empire, basically paying a bunch of yeah. foreigners to fight. I mean, I, mean, I, I found a, a, a U.S. senator. I think he was a state senator rather than a than a, than a you know a federal senator. But he was basically making that argument: we should take the illegal immigrants and put them in the in the military. Right. So arm them, give them military training, and then expect them yeah. not to. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, over the lockdown crimes that the government committed on us, um, there were a number of policemen who didn't want to enforce it because it was ridiculous. But if you put a foreign person in, in a uniform, they're probably going to be much more effective at, um, you know, well, this is the population not, around. Not being funny, this is why, one, you get Spotify adverts by the Met Police saying, police the community that looks like you. They are racially segregating policing. And two, mm. I have noticed a lot that parking attendants um, sort of TFL security wardens and the ULES camera compliance officers are disproportionately new minorities. Oh yeah, I mean, I used to live in London for a long time. Yeah. I, knew, I, I knew that you had to be very careful where you parked unless Nigeria was playing Cameroon and then you can park anywhere you like. <laughs> anyway, so a few more details from this. So they've been allowed to work in those occupations and they're paid 80% of the going pay rate and apparently they forego their £49.13 a week uh, subsistence allowance. So they get 50 quid a week on top of having their hotel and that paid for, just for fun, I suppose, just to go to Costa and JD Sports and the like. Well, they're and, not doing this anyway. I mean, as evidence, what you do is just go and get an illegal job with Just Eat, and then you get to keep the money we give you and the revenue you get from Just Eat. Yeah, because it, it's usually cash only. Great. Glad we're, glad we're paying for all of this. So uh, just as a, as a pointer, um, just let them work. Just build more housing. Not only is that not a solution, but also, why should we? Why should they be here if they are not positive contributors to the economy and to the culture? And, and just well, that assumption, isn't there? That there's no one here? Like, just give them jobs, just build them houses. Is the kind of thing you'd say if you discovered any new land and we're building some kind of colony for the thousands of people turning up. But that's not where we are. We're in one of the most densely populated places on Earth. I think England is close to India in terms of population density, because we're just so crammed in. I mean, to, not, to, not to throw her under the bus too much, but uh, Reem here, she once did tweet out that post-war Britain would have been nothing without the migrants around to rebuild it. So genuinely, there is an opinion that the Windrush ship was like Britain's Mayflower or something. They showed up and, how much and settled of, an undiscovered continent. You know, how many houses did they rebuild? I mean, precisely. I mean, I, I hate that so much. Yep. like, yeah, there's 0.1% of the population. They rebuilt the whole island. I remember David Lammy once saying his family got here in like the 60s. And he said that his family rebuilt Britain. But it's been 15 years before you even arrived. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Like, just liars. Just well, and, and also, I'm always confused as to why this, this raw ability to construct and build nations doesn't, doesn't apply back home in Africa. Yeah, quite. Yeah. Why? Well, um, colonialism. I, I, I suppose. Okay, well, why, why doesn't it apply in Ethiopia? That hasn't been never got colonized. Well, why didn't they colonize us if they're clearly if well, diversity is such a strength? Yeah. Why, why weren't they the empire? But that's that's yes. a racist question, I yeah. suppose. Uh, also, uh, you know, for the pleasure of bringing these people over, these great economic benefactors, we're spending thirty-six million pound a year just on private boats to pick them up and ferry them back, rather than send them back to Calais or patrolling the the sea with the Royal Navy. That would be fantastic. And then, of course, we're about what is it, six million a day? So it's X amount of billion a year on hotels at this point. Fun, fun, fun. Great. Right, the reason I'm raising all of this is because this past weekend, so myself, Carl, Andy No, John, our wonderful producer who's chained to his desk at the moment giving me the thumbs up, we actually took Zer Eric Zamor. Um, he was second in the polls, oh, really? currently third. We took him round Whitechapel 
in London. So here we go. There's our yeah. There's our hero shot. Yeah, he's um, he is very amusing because he refuses to learn English, and I really like that actually as a French politician. <laughs> and he kept making jibes yeah. about. He kept saying to Carl, "What was the point of you guys defeating Napoleon and claiming British sovereignty a couple of hundred years ago? Because now you've been colonized in reverse." And the well, reason, he's right, isn't he? yeah, well, the reason I'm bringing this up is because look at all these economic benefactors. Look at the street markets that they've got. Look at the area that they have. Uh, they've, they've built the East London Mosque. It's one of the largest mosques in Britain. Look yeah. at the enrichment they're bringing to the area. I tell you what, I was walking around it as a native Londoner, and I remember one of my one of my first sort of political awareness moments as a kid. It was in 2011, the London riots, and I was about 12, right? And they were a couple of roads away from me. They stopped, and I think it was only because the EDL got into a fight with the rioters, and so the police had to come and cordon it off. And so that meant that it didn't come near enough to me up the high street. But I remember being petrified of that as a kid, seeing all those department stores on fire and all the smash and grabs happening. And I walked around Bethnal Green and Whitechapel and just thought, why did they even stop? What was the point? Everywhere smothered in graffiti, everywhere smothered in Palestine flags and stickers about the IDF being baby murderers and things like that. There's cardboard boxes and refuse everywhere. There are stands. I mean, Eric put up a put out a video here. This is this is Whitechapel Tube Station. Here we go. Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, three men, one mission. Ah, oh, yes, because Jesus was an Islamic preacher. Um, I, I remember the 2008 riots as well. There was there was one house on my street that the the day after the 2008 riots. 2011. Yeah, or oh, 2011 riots. There was one house on my street that had a empty 50-inch um, widescreen TV box just dumped on dumped on the lawn. And by sheer coincidence, that was the one house in the streets where. Oh, actually, no, I can't remember who lived there now. No, sorry, it's all gone. Hmm, curious. Um, but just look at this. I mean, I, I was I was walking around it feeling like a stranger in my homeland, and Carl was remarking to Eric, "Just look at the way that people were looking at us as." Well, we were, aside from one man that was there, the only white slash English slash European people of the diaspora, uh, the only other white person there was a very posh English communist who was standing outside the Whitechapel tube station, waving the socialist worker newspaper and saying Solidarity Brothers, because of course he was that fifth columnist agitator accelerating, obviously, the colonization of his, of his place. But uh, again, okay, even if you let them work. Even if you built battery-farmed homes, you could house them all here. Are they making it a better place? Take a walk around Whitechapel sometime, and you'll see that they're, they're not contributing to the culture because they have cultural prejudices that are apathetic or incompatible or hostile to the British way of life. So um, you've either deliberately or ignorantly missed the point, but no, I'm not negotiating about bringing infinite Africans and Middle Easterners here. Uh, it doesn't make the place better. Stop. It's just enraging, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what there is to do with it, but yeah, there we are. I will need the yes. tools of the trade. The rations are being redistributed. We have um, something else to discuss in the same vein, which is conscription. Now, you lads may remember we spoke about conscription before. It's been uh, well, popping up because everyone's now decided that Russia is going to declare war on NATO because, well, they're losing a war with Ukraine, so they'll invade NATO. Yeah. We assume we're being conscripted to fight Russia. It might, might be Texas. That's the official uh, reason that was given. Oh, right. Which is just as nonsensical as any other. Yeah. And we left this off because I was with Voice Wells. We didn't have enough time. But I want to go into this more in detail because there's the fundamental question that was revealed by this discussion, which is why is it that literally nobody wants to die for this place anymore? Because this wasn't the case in 1914. But for some reason now, zero human beings were interested in dying for this country when this conversation came up. And it's demonstrated by this, as you can see. 
the uh, patriotic rights, the kind of people you expect to go and fight, were just producing propaganda posters about why they're not going to. And it all focused, obviously, here on immigration. But they're not the only ones. Carl made this point, which is, why would anyone want to fight for this country in the state that it is in? Why would anyone fight for Tony Blair's vision of the future? That's all they can promise you. More immigration, more debt, worse services, stagnant wages, decrepit towns. And they expect you to defend that. Yeah, that's a fair point. I was, um, I was also brought on GB News last Wednesday under the auspices of, are Gen Z too woke for war? And that is the standard line that is trotted out by the low-resolution boomer commentariat of, they're too fat, they're snowflakes. And I just said, well, sorry, you've indebted me for the rest of my life. You've deprived me of the ability to get a house like the boomers have. You keep importing net migration of over 700,000 a year every year, despite the British electorate for the last decade plus voting against it. The wars in Ukraine and Gaza, I don't feel particularly connected to, and especially the Ukraine one is being fought under false auspices. I don't feel connected enough to want to shoot some poor Russian conscript who wants to go home to his wife on behalf of a state that calls me a useless white male or the military industrial complex's bottom line. Well, it's not just Zoom, it's like Gen X. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd just say, fine, send me to jail. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah. There's a unifying aspect here, isn't there? I mean, I think this meme actually put its best, which is, uh, I receive cannon fodder, you receive uh, terrible bad things. Trade-off are available. Do you want to take it? And obviously not. And the reason is because this country doesn't have its own people's interests at heart on any of those issues, obviously, but it goes on and on. And when we get into the realms of these kind of patriotic people, what they would usually do, I mean, it just, it just gets comical. I mean, we've been over, for example, the police in their own misconduct hearings, just purging people because they say they've got right-wing stuff on their phone. Okay. There's the military. In private messages, by the way, yeah. Yeah, there's the military here. So this was a chap who was jailed for national, being a member of national action in the military, and that's a terrorist group, so that's the law. But at the same time, they released this. Yes. And I don't know if you can scroll a little bit, John. Um, my apologies if it's not big enough. But there's uh, a document there that says right-wing extremism, and then it describes various things which could be warning signs. And some of them are literally, do they describe themselves as a patriot? Okay. Do they, do they talk about multicultural towns as loss? Do they add Istan to British place names? One of the most insane ones is my entire segment I just did. Do they claim that immigration is the root of injustices against vulnerable people, old age pensioners and veterans? Oh yeah, noticing grooming <clears throat> gangs against underage girls means you're a right-wing extremist, according to the army. The point being that, yet again, the state in this apparatus here doesn't have the interests of the people serving it at its heart. They're not interested. For a funny point of contention, actually, that Istan things, the first word, uh, the first usage of the word Londonistan isn't a British person. It's the French intelligence service. They were describing the problem of the amount of Islamist radicals that come out of Britain, and they were describing London as the source point for most of it. So basically, Eric Zemmour's walk around Whitechapel. <laughs> yeah. And they, they go on. I mean, we're talking about the kind of people we're actually dealing with, which is, well, us at this point, the patriotic side of the UK. This is, this is a meme representation, but an accurate one of the only flag we're fighting for. Uh, fixing the country. And obviously, that's one example on immigration policy there, but it's not the only thing. Because, as I mentioned, this country doesn't have any interest in serving the interests of its own people in any regard. I mean, we can see this in a, in a weird aspect of something that very recently happened, which is a man has been arrested and then charged with a hate crime for political activism. Now, this man is a white nationalist. He believes that you can't be British and white. That's his viewpoint. But what did he do? What crime has he committed? Now, here's the details. 
A far-right activist has been found guilty of inciting racial hatred by running an online library of downloadable anti-immigration stickers. Samuel Mia, beautiful British name, was the head of the so-called 100 Handlers Group, which was responsible for stickering incidents between 2019 and 2021. Stickering's not a crime. So right, they're going to arrest everyone that's going around Whitechapel putting up uh, IDF for baby murder as stickers as well, are they? Stickers. What do the stickers say? Well, what, what, what messages were on these hateful stickers then? Well, we'll keep reading the BBC and I'm sure we'll find out. He argued the stickers were used to spread the message that there were people in the area with overtly racist views and attract those like-minded people. Well, what, what did they say? They would also warn or intimidate members of non-Christian religions or those of non-white races that they were being targeted. So he's saying, if you're uh, non-Christian or non-white, you're being targeted there. Uh, I'm not... That, that isn't what was on the stickers, obviously, because they're not selling what was on the stickers. They say, after the police arrested him in 2021, they searched his house and found a label printer with stickers and anti-immigration messages on those stickers. Okay, we've got that. You've, you've mentioned it. Officers also discovered key signs of the defendant's ideology, including a book by Oswald Mosley, the founder of the British Union of Fascists, and posters of Mosley and Adolf Hitler. We still haven't actually heard the crime. We don't actually know what he's done. Also, yeah, the posters are weird. A book? Not They're a- actually admitting a book into evidence. Like, if you had a copy of Mein Kampf because you were a historian, what? They, they're going to charge you a hate crime the book for kind of You probably should read because it was the book of a major historical figure that we talk about endlessly. Well, let's take a look at um, those stickers because that's actually the crime, presumably. Yeah. I mean, owning things that are far right, perfectly legal. So here you go. You have to go to people online to find this. And they say the stickers included the quotes, reject white guilt. Another quote was Brits will be a minority by 2066. And another quote was mass immigration is white genocide. Now, two of those are opinions, legal ones. And then one of them is a claim about statistics. There's no crime here. And you, and you might think, okay, well, I don't share this guy's views. Therefore, you know, what do I care? Yeah, that's the, not how this works, though, is it? As soon as this becomes a crime for someone to engage in activism that's perfectly... So, so it is a criminal offence in this country to reject white guilt? Yeah. He's been found guilty of a hate crime for putting up that. For rejecting... So it, it, is a, it is this country's legal position. That you, If you're white, you have to feel guilty about it. Otherwise, you're committing a crime. Presumably, yes, because that's the stickers he put up. He was charged with the crime of spreading hate and racist messages and then he's been found guilty as they say there his sentencing will be soon enough um you can go i don't know if that middle one the claim about statistics is meant to be a crime because in which case the wikipedia page for the demographics of london is a crime because i mean you can just go and find various gifts of the different percentages well i didn't even get onto that but 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 white minority by 26 by 2066 i mean that sounds about right well it's statistically a, a guess which Right. Uh, it's not criminal to make guesses about demography. But, I mean, that's, that's the sort of stat that The Guardian would write a headline about with the tagline, and it's a really good thing. Yeah, Ash Sarkar would say, we're winning, lads. I mean, so Philip Pilkington's paper puts it as, if current trends continue with birth rates and immigration, we'll be 53% first generation Im- immigrant, 54%, by 2083. So I'd suppose, Philip, you'll be slapped in cuffs sometime soon or something. Right? So, so basically, they're, they're outlawing noticing. Well, they're outlawing political activism if they don't agree with it. Because the thing here is there's a difference that, again, materially between the United States and the United Kingdom. Now, for all the United States' problems, the United Kingdom is on, I don't know, 50 years ahead or something, in which we are now happy to jail people for having political opinions. And um, 
that's not going to stop, is it? Well, that has happened in the United States as well, hasn't it? With that guy that made the meme joking that Democrats should vote via text or the following day. And so, uh, true, there is a rationale there, which is that they argued it was a misleading because there was a wrong date and obviously you can't vote that way. But that's obviously bollocks. Yeah, it's just pretext. But in this case, there's nothing. Literally, he just had an opinion. Yep. And that's enough. And I want to combine this with another story that came out recently, which, as you can see here, Nottingham hero student Grace O'Malley Kumar died protecting friend from killer. Now, this is the kind of thing you might gloss over because, okay, there's been a killing in Nottingham. Who really cares? But the uh, details are fascinating. So the killer, born in Guinea-Bissau, but because of the empire, became a Portuguese citizen and then is in the UK. For reasons. We haven't solved that part. So Miss Weber, who was 19, and Miss Mali Kumar were walking home to their student accommodations after an end-of-term night out and were fatally stabbed to death. Miss Mali Kumar showed incredible bravery and tried to protect her friend, fighting and pushing the killer into the road. He's a 32-year-old man, in case you're wondering. But the killer then turned his attention to her and was uncompromisingly brutal in his assault. That's a quote. Miss Mali Kumar's injuries were too severe and she collapsed. Mr. Weber tried to defend himself on the ground, kicking the attacker before the killer just walked away calmly. The court was told that he made his way from that scene of the double killing to a residential hostel, tried to gain entrance forcibly, and then was punched in the face, so he ran away. He then ran across the school caretaker, pulled him out of his van, stabbed him to death, and then stole the van, and then used the van to try and kill three people. So he had counts of three murders and three. Uh, attempted murders with the van. I don't know why we're just counting the fact that he was obviously going to kill the people in the hostel, but whatever. Now, the, the thing that's amazing about all this is you can uh, see the suspect here, and um, he, well, he claimed manslaughter because he was mentally ill, and the prosecutors, the people representing the people whose family members have been stabbed to death, said they accepted that plea deal of manslaughter, that he had serious mental illness, and they said that they'd... Uh, Quote, Mr. Hill, who was representing the prosecution's families, uh, said that he spoke to the fa families, vic uh, families of the victims and consulted them before the prosecution decided to accept the pleas entered. That's the BBC's writing. The thing is, this is at massive odds with reality because the members of the family came out on TV and just said, no, he got away with murder. None of that's manslaughter. You stab two children to death and then stab a third man to death and then try and use the van to kill three people. They don't believe the mental illness claim. And I'm not surprised. When I was asked about Sorry. this and another case in Alabama on talk TV, and I said we should bring back hanging, the entire conversation was derailed by the fact that they said, isn't that really inhumane? Aren't we sinking to their level? Aren't these, aren't these poor murderers going to feel pain? And I was like, yes, it's a good thing. This is, this is, this is the mentality. It's like we, we cannot allow a, a poor brown man with mental illness to suffer even a moment, even if he's brutally murdered three innocent people. Now, you might think this is a pure conversation about immigration policy failures or the court system failing. Where I mean, this chap here makes a great point, which is he's very glad to be one of those who is woken up. I mean, all of us are watching this uh, to know that we don't have a justice system. We have a legal system and it will do everything it can to not destroy us like every other part of the government, which is why no one wants to fight for it. Now, this isn't just a story about that. This is a story that's much worse because most people seem to have forgotten. We covered this a while back. You may remember hashtag Nottingham together. You remember this? Yep. yep. So this popped up. One city, hashtag Nottingham together, is a massive banner on Nottingham's town hall with a huge crowd vigil that had been brought together, not organically, 
It was very obvious it wasn't organic. Someone paid for the speaker systems and everything else and the banners and then the buses. Didn't you find the government department that basically sets these glowy events up? Yeah, it turned out MI5 actually have a response plan to the uh, incidents. Now, they list it as terrorist incidents, but then expanded their scope over the uh, previous decade to just anything that might cause tensions. So what are we dealing with there? So MI5 know that there are... them and the rest of the state, obviously, have concocted a situation in which there is inevitable internal conflict, which is why they plan for campaigns to try and dampen ethnic tensions in response to incidences. Weird how they have to talk around this for some reason. Did, did um, any of those MI5 officers get sent to Israel? Don't know. On, on October 8th? I, I don't, don't know. Don't look back in anger. Yeah, quite, exactly, yeah. They're, they're, they I, are yeah. more than entitled to be uh, allowed to attack a terrorist group that attacks them, but we're not allowed to. It's funny, um, after the 2017 London Bridge attack, I heard recently that they attempted to actually release some of the terrorists involved in that, and then they failed lie detector tests. So they were like, oh, maybe, maybe not a good idea. Why, why were you thinking of releasing murderous terrorists in the bloody first place? It so is, for- it's pathological, this hatred our state has of us. That's exactly what I'm getting at. That's why no one wants to die for this place, no matter how patriotic you are. And why everyone responded with such cringe. I don't know if you saw. Boris Johnson came out. Yep, did a video and an article. Yes, sir, Lance Corporal Johnson. Shut up. Shut up. Yes. On the, on the, on the, sorry. What we're looking at here for people listening is that this is the Middle East Eye reporting on the mind control that the UK government uh, enacts after an incident. And the example they're giving here is, so for some reason, after the London Bridge attack, random imams of all types turned up holding the same printed statement with the same hashtag, and they were handled by someone who clearly wasn't of the community. And then they did some more digging and found out, yeah, this is, this is the state orchestrating this. Yeah. So back to Nottingham, because there was that one banner, that doesn't mean much, but there is a lot more in this, which you may remember, one of the aspects of that vigil was for some reason, one of the uh, members of the va- family of one of the victims turned up, well, she was the mum of one of the uh, boys killed, I believe, to turn up and say that this has nothing to do with race, religion, sex, or color. Which is just... Yet it what? obviously does. Well, it's, it's also just inhuman. So the, the direct quote is here, this evil person is just that, he's a person, please hold no hate that relates to any color, sex, or religion. No one had mentioned any of that. She just spontaneously did that on her own, did she? I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, I do not believe it, because no human being actually talks in these terms. While wearing sunglasses, I think. Well, especially not after someone's just been killed. No one's primary concern is whew, the political situation. Yeah, I can't offend my up. son's murderer because he's brown. Also, the... Uh, I, I can tell you, if one of my kids got murdered, the, ne- the thing that I would not be doing the next day is rushing out to defend government migration policy. No, do you know what I would do? I'd agree to do this and yes. then stand at the yeah, podium and then turn around and go, yeah, this is the government that's done this. The unfettered migration policies have done this. The fact that you've said that every black person is oppressed and therefore you think that you were allowing them to get away with grievous crimes against white people, yes. who you've said is their oppressor has done this. You are because The reason that you have done that is why my child is dead. So you'll notice the hashtag Nottingham Together being used. This is by a local journalist from Channel 4. And then it moves on. The Nottingham MP turned up to, quote, love always wins. That was his speech. Again, this is obviously concocted. Like, this isn't how humans talk. This is instead a, a management situation. And then it went on. I mean, people noticed at the time, and I do remember it. For some reason, a, a place that is not very diverse suddenly had large amounts of diversity on stage where the cameras were pointed. But if you look at the crowd, not diverse. Yeah. Yeah, this stinks. 
This this stinks of glowies. I, I mean, this is just disgusting. I mean, look at that. This this is presumably the sibling of one of the young people who was murdered, who's having to stand up on stage in a government psyop. I think that's the mum of the girl and her brother. Well, we yeah. can see them in the uh, uh, BBC article. You can actually see that chap there that you're you're talking about. Because yeah. um, obviously, at the time of well, what is clearly orchestrated by the state and now is admitted that this is what they do. It follows the same playbook, a hashtag, a slogan orchestrated vigils. You can read the Middle East eye in detail if you want that. They were told to come out and give statements that were, you know, don't look back in anger. And then after the court case went to court, he was found with manslaughter. He didn't murder anyone, trust me. Then they came out to the news and went, no, he got away with murder. But what was so disgusting about this is that there is, it is somebody's job at MI5 to go and knock on that woman's door the day after her child has just been murdered and say, I need you to appear in one of our psyops. I mean, they wouldn't have framed it like that. They, they would have, they, they, they have all the psychological training to get her to stand up to basically um, apologize for government policy the, the, the morning after her, her child has been murdered and, her, and that sibling has to stand there listening to this shit. Yeah, and if they, if they can gaslight a grieving mother into thinking that her grief is subordinate to their narrative, if you don't think that they can't do it for many other things, on an industrial scale to the whole population. Yeah. I've got a bridge to sell. And, and, and just in case that particular MI5 officer is watching this, you are a piece of shit. You really are. So you could take this as just a story about immigration failures, and I see a lot of accounts doing that, but that's, that's actually the wider context. If you, if you cast your memory back, this all happened, we know why it happened, and that's that. And so then this brings us into, obviously, well, why does nobody want to fight for the military? Yeah. Why would you? It, it, Again and again, I'm trying to make the point, and I think I've made a successful argument here, that is they do not care about the native people. They're not interested in representing them in the slightest. In fact, they will do everything they can to crisis manage that group into what, exactly? Well, I suppose we'll find out. But there we are. That's why nobody's dying for this crap. On a, on a small ancillary point, if we were invaded tomorrow, you wouldn't need to conscript me, because I'd just defend my people my homeland. I just don't want to represent a state that hates me and does this and kill people that aren't necessarily my enemy. Well, I'm not going to somebody else's homeland to kill them. No. Well, on that note, let's move on. So. All right, okay. So, let's play a game, shall we? I thought I'd cheer us up with something a little bit more positive. So, what I've... Uh, this was inspired by a witty comeback from a boomer. Because, uh, here we are. So, so it, was, it was this tweet that I saw. So, basically... Um, boomers are, are fed up with getting the retort OK Boomer whenever they say something particularly boomerish on social media. So they thought it'd be particularly clever to come, and I do kind of admire this, actually. Uh, this guy says, when, when somebody comes at you with OK Boomer, just retaliate with OK Renter. Uh, it usually either shuts them up or sets them off. A really soft spot for millennials knowing they will never own their own home. Now, um, I'm, I'm aware of talking about counter-revolutionary groups being put in the fields. I, I understand that I'm currently wearing glasses, so yeah. I'm, I'm slightly conscious of that. But maybe he wants to worry about antagonizing a group that are quite swayed by Marxism these days by reminding <laughs> them all of the fact that the boomer are a landlord class and that they're robbing them of their cash. Well, I mean, a, a, a couple of things. I mean, one, just the sheer chutzpah of being the generation that has, has, uh, has basically won it all, dunking on your own children and grandchildren um, for the fact that the society has now been so completely screwed up, they've got no prospect of owning a home. 
um, like they all did. So the sheer chutzpah of that makes me laugh. Also, the fact that he still thinks that millennials are the people in their 20s. No, actually, that, that that's the Zoomers now. But just the sheer audacity of that uh, tweet um, inspired what I was going to do as a, basically a Brokenomics episode. Um, but I couldn't quite justify a full Brokenomics episode out of it, so I decided to condense it down into a segment. So, so. Well, you should do a Brokenomics at some point on why should Zoomers even bother working. That, that would be a challenge. Um, so let's have a look at, um, at house prices to sort of get to the gist of what this man was saying. So yeah. this, is, this is a chart of house prices. Um, goes back to, what is it? Oh, 19- is it worth turning dark mode off, John, for this one? Yeah, 1952, I think it goes back to. Um, and it's, it's a chart of, oh, here we go. Yeah, there we go. A chart, a chart of house prices. Um, no, it's, oh, I've, I've zoomed out now. Saying, but anyway, so basically it shows house prices have gone up from, what was it? So in the early 50s, about under a grand, under a grand, for, no, it's around two grand for a house um, up to, um, you know, wherever we are now, like, um, yeah, up, up near 300,000. And that's average for the country, which yes. means that the further you get from basically a job zone where most Zoomers can yes. work in the knowledge economy, it gets more affordable, but you probably can't live there anyway because you can't earn any money to... Well, I mean, it, it, it might have been £3,000 for a house in central London and only £500 for a house in, you know, somewhere interesting. But um, let's not just look at that. Let's also adjust these prices for inflation. So uh, you can't make the argument that, oh, yes, we, we were paid less back there. So in real terms, so in today's money, what did a house cost back then? Now, this, this chart is on a slightly different time scale, but um, all the same, it goes back to the early 70s, which makes my point quite well, uh, which is in today's money, a house was about 100 grand. And now average is about 100, sorry, 270. Yes. So it's nearly tripled. Yeah. Something happens in the 1990s yeah. there. It's amazing. And, and this only goes back to 1976. In the 50s, it would have been even lower in today's money. That's why, um, if you know any sort of um, boomers, uh, they all bought a house aged like 21, 22 on a starting salary, a four-bedroom house. And then they always tell me, yes. but it's all right. We need to pay high taxes because I need my pension and my NHS pay because I paid into my pension. I mean, if you look at that yes. as a rate of inflation as well, you paid into your pension at a lower rate of inflation and are claiming at the higher rate. So my earnings are just nothing. Well, the, 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 argument, the argument that the boomers make, you see, is that, is that they had it hard too. Um, well, they, no, they didn't, actually. Uh, and, and let's look at the, the share, of, share of wealth. So this is actually for the US, because the, the US produces quite good figures on this. We zoom out a little bit. Uh, US and UK boomers are very different people as well, just to be sure. In, 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 what, in what sense? What's, what's the key difference in your mind? The US boomers are way richer. Right. Yes. Well, no. Actually, it's 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 broadly similar. It's broadly similar. I mean, I think I think the US do, do have an advantage, but this sort of general picture lines up. But but it's it's the best figures that I had. This is actually um, one of the charts that I showed you in um, in that Brokenomics episode uh, that we did together. So I drafted Callum in um, for an episode of Brokenomics on um, what is an economy even for, and your perspective, Callum, which I quite like, which was which was the economy was fake and gay. Yes. Yes, which I quite like. So anyway, so this is um, so this is um, you know the, the total amount of U.S. assets split by generation, and as you can see, the baby boomers have got basically half of it. I mean, they've they've got more in uh, say I'll pick a category: um, pensions or or real estate or other assets. You know, things like bloody wine and art. 
than the millennials have in total. Well, they've got more in other assets than the Gen Xs do in real estate. Yes. That's mental. Yes. Yes. So anyway, so 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 this you, you can go and watch the uh, the Brokenomics episode What is an Economy Even For if you want us to see is to drill down into this. But what I thought it might be fun to do is to um, is to basically play a game, you see. So what I thought is what we do is we get a monopoly board right and and we will have four players uh, and and we will play the game to see basically um, you know how that goes. Just to put this, just put this into into sort of real perspective. So we're going to need some players. <laughs> so um, I just love it. That's so true. It's like people can't really understand pie grass, but we all know Monopoly. <laughs> yes, well, that, that's exactly my thinking. So we need we need some players. So first of all, we need a boomer, um, and and for that I have chosen um, Lady uh, Lady Graham of South Carolina. So so he is going to represent um, the boomer team. Uh, and for those of you who are watching, um, I've I've taken this photo as he is just in the cusp of having a very special wargasm. He's he's probably just heard that we're bombing somewhere, and ooh, he's, he's 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 enjoying that. Um, we need we need a Gen X player now. Um, obviously, with Gen X, Gen X has very very many cool people to pick from because it is it is by far the coolest generation. It's not even remotely the coolest generation. It's 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 the coolest generation. So, you know, a difficult who to choose from. I could have picked Kurt Cobain, Elon Musk, Sargon, me. Uh, are, are these people meant to be cool? Yes. Um I actually chose Joe Rogan in the end. So so he he's gonna be he's gonna be playing for Team Gen X. Um we need a millennial. I thought Emma Watson. Oh, I would have yeah. gone with Taylor yes. Swift. 33 years old, childless, focusing on her career. Again, I would have gone with Taylor Swift. Same, same bracket. Well, yes, exactly. Um, we're going to need somebody from Silent Generation because they're still around. Now, Silent Generation is another generation that has been comprehensively shit on. Um, if, if you believe generational theory, they're basically in the same cycle point as Zoomers. So they basically came at the tail end of a, of a crisis period. Um, which 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 matches up. So for so for the silent generation, I've picked um, Johnny Cash. Good pick. Um, you you could also pick Joe Biden. Actually, he he's a he's a silent generation. He's a very young. He's at the end of the silent generation. Oh, I don't know about that. He did once say that he's been in the Senate for two hundred years. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would make him what, missionary generation or something. Um, and um, who else do we need? Oh, yes, we we need a Zoomer. So we we need somebody who represents Zoomers. So I obviously went for the ultimate symbol of the Zuma generation, a gender questioning influencer. So anyway, <laughs> on the money, on the money. <laughs> we, we, we've got our, we've got our uh, team ready to go um, in order to uh, play this game of Monopoly and, and, and see how things turn out. So basically what I did is I added up the value of all of the properties on the board, uh, which comes to um, 5,690 if you add them all up. And then what I did is I took that chart in the middle and I divided uh, whatever it is, 156 trillion by the value of the Monopoly board. And then I thought what I'd do is we assign properties starting at Mayfair, the, the purple. It's Mayfair if you're in UK. If you're, if you're a foreigner, you, you have a different Monopoly board apparently uh, for some reason. Um, so anyway, we're going, to start at the, we're going to start at the expensive purple one and we're going to work backwards um, to find out what each generation owns. So, should we um, should we start with the boomers? Unfortunately, yeah. Let's, let's start with the boomers to see what they get. So they get half the board. Um, but well, thing is, is the, the the first properties are really expensive. Okay. So you burn through a lot of capital ah. just by going up the first side. That's actually by what well, it's by well, the far, last side because you go around that way. 
Yeah, but I'm doing it in reverse. Or, right, okay. Because I, I, I don't think you should put me putting boomers in old Kent Row. You know, they, they, no. they want the best. They want the very best. So anyway, so we're, we're, starting, we're starting at the best for them. And anyway, so I worked out that by the time you've, you've taken, what is it, 7.9 trillion of private business, 18.3 trillion of real estate, 19 trillion of equities and mutual funds, 16.2 trillion of pensions, uh, 2.9 trillion of durable goods. What's that? What Tin, that? Tins of beans that they get <laughs> stacked up. <laughs> it's got 2.9 trillion of beans. <laughs> Shotguns or um, and, and 13.8 trillion of other assets. So like wine and art and you know what, whatever else have they got, they got uh, sitting around. Washing machines. Anyway, you put that into property and there we go. What, their wives? Um, the, the the boomers are off to a pretty strong start. They've they've got both the purple ones. They've got all of the green ones. Uh, they've got all of the yellow ones, and they've got the uh, the One best of the red, red ones, ones and the utilities. Oh yes, I had to I had to give them the waterworks as well, just to. That explains all the reservoirs of expanded capacity in quite some time as well. Yes, yes, no new reservoirs in the UK since 1991. Build your own reservoir, Snowflake. Even with that disproportionality of the the. Uh... Deep blue ones being so expensive, yes. you actually do almost get half the board anyway. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a strong position. I say they're, they're entering the game strong. What what about Gen X? Um, oh, and, and also, I should point out, by the way, for for any any boomers watching, we're going to say, oh, we know it's just because we're old and we've accumulated assets. If I was doing this as a proper brokenomics episode, as opposed to a, a, a quick segment, I, I would actually have gone back and done this at equal points in history for you know the the, the silent generation or previous generation. No, that, that, that's actually not the case. So the the boomers were, if if you were to do this when the boomers were in their thirties, it would not look like it would for the millennials. And it's not if you wargamed yes. it out to how much the Zoomers are going to owe when they get to the equivalent boomer age. Going to look yes. like this at all either. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not entirely the boomers' fault. Basically, what happened is they were they were the largest generation that the planet's ever seen. Um, I mean, not in absolute terms. There's slightly more absolute number of millennials than there are boomers, but in but in relative terms, they're the biggest generation the world has ever seen. And they came into the workforce, um, and they basically created demand as they went. So that old thing is like you might assume that it's better to be part of a small generation rather than a large generation. That's actually wrong. You're better off being part of a large generation because that creates its own demand as it goes. The other thing, of course, is that um, 1971, um, the America and well, the world basically went off a gold standard that meant money just started expanding. So if you bought a house, basically the value of a house just just rocketed. Two, um, two quick questions. Yes. Who, who voted for all the entitlement programs? Well, yes, that was the boomers. And, and also, yeah. not only that, it was the boomer generation that basically put those entitlements in place. Now, they, had it, they, they started doing it for good reason. They started doing it because silent generation, we've got represented one of the players on the board there, um, were really poor. So in, in the 80s, if you wanted to do a social program for poor people, the easiest way to do it was just to make it for old people because it, they were basically the same thing. They've or, been through two world wars and the Great yeah. Depression. We owe them something. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. So, the, the, so they were doing a favor for the greatest generation and the silent generation. The problem is social programs never work as intended. Well, no, it's, it's, it's not just that. It's they started being generous. There was lots of them being generous to a small, small number of people because there weren't many greatest generation. There weren't many silent generation. They started being generous to them. And that, that explains the social programs in the early 80s. By the, by the late 80s, they'd started to look at these and think, we're going to get old one day. Maybe we should start, you know... Voting ourselves money. Yeah. 
the other, the other gold plating this a bit. The other, the other problem as well. The, the second question. Uh, great, large, large generation. Large yep. generation wants lots of things. Yes. Who's going to pay for that? Oh, large generation didn't want many kids because they wanted to smoke dope in Woodstock, so birth rate goes down. So yes. then, import infinity foreigners in order to pay for our pensions. Thank well, you yes, there, there is, there is, there is that as well. But so, so I'm not a big Ooh. fan of the whole like generational fight thing because it, yes. it gets uh, personal when it doesn't make any sense to get personal. You know, yes. so that I just don't like that aspect going yes. forward. But I have but to I mention it's funny. But I have to mention something that's in that vein right. because it did make me laugh. Is I kept seeing videos now of people pretending to be boomers yes. and saying, well, of course, we're entitled to the, the pensions or whatever else that we voted through. Because don't you know, my dad fought in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> that, that point about the reason you did it was for the silent generation because holy crap, did they go through hell is utterly evaporated now. Yes. And that really puts a big hole in the ship yes. of trying to claim that these things are needed. Yes. Well, should we, should we, let, should we let Gen X take their turn? Um, because They don't do too badly, actually. They don't do too badly. Now, these properties are cheaper, um, so that, that accounts for their strong showing. But what do they get? They get the remaining red ones, they get all the orange ones, they get all the pink ones, and they get two of the blue ones. Now, actually, if, if you ever um, play Monopoly properly, it's, it's actually... That's what you want. Yeah, you actually want the orange and the pink ones because the houses... You get, the marginal return on the houses is, is the highest. Um, so, I mean, Gen, I mean, Gen X, of course, they, they came on the tail end of that thing where they where they benefited from still being able to buy a house and still benefit from that sort of monetary, the print-to-go-burr type stuff. So they still benefited from that. But they uh, don't have the diversity that the boomers do there. You can see much of their wealth is in the real estate. Just well, looking at your graph. Oh, yes, 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 exactly, yes. So, so yeah, well, exactly, exactly, yeah. So the, by far, the real estate is the strongest element on that. They don't, they don't have that nicely well-rounded portfolio. Because uh, it was essentially the it was that driving it. Um, Whereas the silent generation don't have. Well, should we should we have a look at the silent generation? Because you know, like I say, they 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 have been sort of roundly shit on. They are the they are the zoomers of their generational cycle. Um, let's what what do they get? They get three of the stations. <laughs> don't forget the fourth station. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, partly because some of them are, some of them are dead. I mean, that, that, that doesn't help if you're accumulating wealth. It sort of fudges the numbers a little it, bit. It, it, it does. But their, their makeup is interesting there because, again, you're looking at real estate for them. Isn't that interesting? Most of their money's in their, what does it say, their equities and mutual funds. Because if you held real estate for that long in those times, you wouldn't get the returns you have in modern times. Yes. The real estate becoming an asset you hold is a very modern thing and artificial. Oh, yeah. Well, it, well it's, yeah, isn't it? So it, it's. Um... It was basically just flat house prices for a long, long time. House prices were just flat, and it's only it's really... 1860 or something? Yes. So yes. I, I must say, I love the ONS. The, the ability for the British state to keep statistics is amazing. And you can go back to, I think it's about 1810 for the UK, to find out the affordability of housing. And you can see at about 1860, it reaches its lowest, and it's just flat for ages. And then, yeah. and then something happened. Something happened. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the two big things is, is 1971. Um, of course, we, we came off the gold standard and, and money became backed by, instead of gold, the promises of politicians. Um, well, us hitching ourselves to the Americans as a vassal state, basically. Yes. Yes, there is that. I mean, we're, we're on a sort of worldwide dollar standard at that point. So, so the value of everything, the, the, the value of things that couldn't be printed started to go up. 
So, you know, you, you're quite right. They, they, they do reasonably well on, on real estate, but otherwise are, are, are not strongly represented. Anyway, we've we got we to let the, uh, the millennials. They, they've got to be allowed to take their turn, haven't they? So, um... Right. So they need a, a few properties to have their 10 cats in. Yes. Well, they, they've got one of the blue ones, one station, and one of the brown ones. Oh, and the electricity company. I'm not sure if I necessarily wanted to have a, a bright light bulb above Emma Watson's head. That might be, that, that was unintentional. But um, it's not impressive. No, it's not, it's not the strongest showing, really, is it? Also, lots of them aren't going to have anyone to pass said wealth onto. Would have been nice if yes. you did do this. Like, uh, I know we don't have the time, but yes. what you were saying about doing this at various points throughout history yes. to get that proper representation, because obviously part of my brain is just thinking, well, they shouldn't have wealth, they're quite young. But I'd love to know how much worse off they are compared to the, uh, a similar group at a similar time in their life. Well, some of them are yes. in their 40s now. Yeah. So when does when does millennial start? Cutoff is twenty. No, cutoff is ninety seven. Some of the millennials. No, and, it, and it's, it, I think it starts in nineteen eighty, doesn't it? Yeah, so some of the millennials have been in their forties. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Forty five. Well, that's not good, is it? No. Exactly. That is worrying. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, well, at least they've got the blue one and the brown one. Right. So you're going to tell us why we should all just give up? Well, no, I mean, there's only well, one property left. <laughs> well, we, we, we got, we we're got still to, stuck on go. We, we, we got uh, to let the Zoomers take their turn. Um, and they're living in a house show in Old Kent Road. Right. Uh, I mean, is... a, a, technically, actually, they don't deserve that. Well, that's uh, the whitest Old Kent Road looked in a while. Uh, yes. Well, and, and, and actually, honestly, they don't, they don't even deserve that. I had to round up quite, I had to get very generous with the rounding up in order to just get them in there. I don't know if you know a percentage. Is it like 40% rounding up or? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be fair, the only Zoomers who, ca- who can actually afford a house are going to be the, um, the E-Thought girls on OnlyFans. Or the ones whose boomer grandparents are dead. Yes. So e- either way, you have to go through a significant family tragedy in order to get a house. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, yes, so that, that's, that's, uh, now, I, uh, white, white pill on this. I mean, I would say to the Zoomers who are finding this a, a tad depressing, um, Hello. what basically happened is before 90, well, bef- okay, from the, from the previous crisis up to 1971, so basically from the war to 1971, what you were seeing was that wages were rising strongly. Um, completely in line with the rate of productivity increase. So as the economy was getting more productive, basically wages kept pace with that. In 1971, when we came off the gold standard, we went onto this funny money printer go burr standards. Um, basically, wages and dividends ticked up, went like that. So returns on capital went up, and wages basically went flat. And if you adjust them for inflation, wages have not actually gone up since 1971. And also productivity from the analysis that I've read has stagnated since the late 90s because one, productivity goes in peaks and troughs because of certain revolutions. The digital revolution was the last time we probably had something. So we're expecting something from AI, but obviously it will dispossess people. And two, since 1997 and something happened, yes. we've mass imported a lot of people in who aren't nearly as productive as your native-born Brit. For To be fair, that productivity yeah. problem is uniquely British, so the Americans don't have that, which is... Um, I, we, I really should have told you about it. It's really funny. Um, the UK government is announcing some new jobs on, on the UK government website. Um, astronaut 
You want to be a British astronaut? You want to know, you want to know what the starting pay is? Well, 30 grand? It's 40 grand. You've got to be but 39 we, years old minimum with a master's degree. But we don't have a space program. What are they using? Trebuchets? Oh, we do send people up to the ISS every so often. Oh, I see. Right. But maybe we'll just be a British Indians. astronaut, there's 40 grand. And this got posted on Twitter, and <laughs> underneath, there's just hordes of Americans being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, it's a bit. Oh no! What no? What I was saying was um, because because basically wages flatline since 1971. So actually, even the boomers over their, their over their whole working lifespan did not get a real terms wage increase. And what's basically happened is that they were able to leverage off that money expansion, which is why you know they did well on houses. So actually, even houses have the value. The value of houses hasn't actually kept up with the rate of money printing. It's okay because when you buy a house, you don't buy the whole house. You just put down a mortgage. So, like my parents, I think they put down, they bought a house for thirty grand, and they put down like two grand. So really, they bought the house for two grand, and now that house is worth almost a million because the debt just gets inflated away. Yeah, and then and the thing is, they didn't even pay off the mortgage. It was an interest only mortgage. So um, basically, they retired. And then it's like, oh no, we've still got the entire capital of the house to pay off. We've got to find twenty-eight grand. Oh no, what are we going to do? Oh, we got a lump sum for my pension. Oh, there we go. We we'll just do that then. So basically, they got a house for two grand. Uh, yeah, we, if we're lucky, have yeah. to pay fifty odd grand upfront mortgage for a wreck, and then yes. much higher monthly payments because of the interest rates. Yes. So I, I mean, wish it, I was drinking. I just so so, so so my point in all of this is is that wages have been ridiculously suppressed for 40 years at this point. And so so my white pill to Zoomers is I think that is going to have to revert because the current situation is so ridiculously unsustainable. But haven't... the system will break. Well, is well, it's, it's either going to be that or I think things are going to fall apart if it doesn't revert. Well, I think it's going to fall apart. So like counterpoint isn't the mass number of migrants that are driving down wages and driving up demand for housing going to mean that the wages aren't going to revert. Well, that 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 could lead to things falling apart quite messily. Right. Okay. So so have we basically reached the position of where we're just like, unfortunately, I love both my grandparents, so I don't yes. I don't want that. We're waiting for everyone else's grandparents to die. Well, you say that. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to work either. Okay, because because the boomers are going to be with us until uh, basically the sort of well, if you do if you if you do the demographic trends until the mid sort of twenty forties, mm. um, and if you look at um, where the money in the US and UK and other Western nations is being spent, I mean it's basically all subsidising old age. So in the UK, it's it's the NHS and pensions, and then after that, it's 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 other welfare, but the big items are NHS and, and pensions. And in the US, it's Medicare, Medicaid, um, and um, oh, Social Security. Uh, they, they've also got quite a large military because boomers like blowing things up. Um, so, uh, you know, don't think that you're going to be bailed out by getting an inheritance one day because basically, if you run those numbers, taxation has to significantly increase. There's no way out of it. Right, so they're going to nickel your inheritance to retroactively yes. pay for the boomer yes. entitlements. Yes. So, so I, I would say don't ha- hold out any hope of getting any inheritance because the state will find a way to get hold of that money for the simple reason that it either has to do that or tell boomers you're not getting your pensions that we promised you. So what I'm hearing is I'll sleep under a bridge. 
Well, no, I, th- I think I think long term it, it will revert because it has to because society is going to break if this carries on much longer. So you know it, it is going to get worse, and then it's going to get worse again. But then eventually, I think something will break and it will have to it will have to revert to something better because this can't go on. Um, th- this is not my final state of play oh. um, for the board because, of course, we're missing a couple of players, aren't we? Shall I add them? Sure. Right. So I've added on. Right. I, I, I've added on the boat people. <laughs> they, they get they get all the community slots because you know they're going in hotels yep. and, and, and stuff like that. Um, Why are we all in jail and they're not? Yes. Well, I, I come. I come to that because we noticed all the boat people. Yeah. So, so here we, we got we got forty one thousand boat people have been have been added on. Um, so, so the room's getting crowded. That was just last year. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it was the just the five generational players here, but now we've got forty one thousand boat people added on. That so they get yeah community squares all around the board. Right then, of course, we need to add on one point two million immigrants. Because the remarkable thing for me is is how skilled the government has been at making the immigration debate all about the boat people and the illegal migration while completely glossing over the other 1.2 million that they just let in. Third cat strategy. Yes. So they, came. So, so they go on and they get the chance um, squares because there is a chance, um, as with this particular chap, that he might stab you. So, so, so he gets that one. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, yes. Uh, we talked about this. So the tax squares, there's two tax squares. Well, that's obviously all going to go to the boomers, isn't it? Because like I said, the big, the biggest... Who's well, being, you and, can only steal money from people who have got money. So who are you going to steal it from? Yeah. Well, the, the Gen Xs and the, and the millennials have got a little bit. Well, yeah, well, what about, what about the, the Tom, Dick and Abdul and the thingies going in the tax square as well? Oh, yes that's, a, a yes. that's a good point. I think yeah. they get community parking or whatever and get it all that way. Well, no, no, well, I'll do the outside squares. So um, we've got the um, the Gen Xers, the Millennials, and the Zoomers in jail because they refuse to be conscripted. All right, right. Um, in the go to jail, we've got anyone who notices. Right. Yep. Uh, Sam, was it Sam? Milaya. Sam Min Milaya. Right. So, so he he goes in the go to jail thing, um, and free parking has been converted into a fifteen minute city. <laughs> so anyway. I, I I thought that was a um, was it was a was an accurate representation of how this game is starting from here. Now, if I had done this as a brokenomic episode, I then would have invited a couple of you in, and we would have actually played this game um, to find out who wins. Alternative proposal: yes. we play Monopoly on Lads Hour. Yes, we could do. I, I want to do the moon landings in a Lads Hour because Callum has ridiculous opinions about the moon landing. Um, but um, but well, that's yes. where I'll be moving to at this rate. But anyway, so anyway, so uh, if you would like to get together some friends and play this game and then find out who wins and lets me know, um, please do, because that's basically uh, where things are today. Um, and, um, you know, you, you can take your own opinion as to whether Zoomers are just being lazy or whether they are actually screwed after all. Um, so, OK, renters. Someone has commented before we move on to the video comments. But uh, do remember in Monopoly, there is actually infinite money as well, because the bank never runs out. <laughs> so you could actually, at the start of the game, take out huge amounts of debt, buy everything, and then just live off it. Yeah, but, 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 but that's kind of the whole point, though, isn't it? Because even though there's infinite money, it goes to the people who got the properties. Mm. And inflates the prices of everything else. Yes. You don't have to worry about it, because you've already got your properties. Anyway, let's go to the video comments. 
Hey, Carl, you asked an interesting question on Twitter the other day about why Republicans have open primaries. Well, guess what? It's not just Republicans, but Democrats also have open primaries in some states. And that's because when we started this, we were largely a homogeneous society that generally agreed on how things should be run and only argued around the edges. Uh, so open primaries made sense because you could actually sway some people from one way to the other. This is what we have lost. Yep. Interesting comment. Uh, Carl's not here. He was booked and, and then he wasn't. So uh, we'll have to forward him this uh, stream to the next one. First off, I finished the Phantom Gundam model kit I was building that I showed in my last video lit that was laid out. Uh, second, the piano should be run over with a tank in the middle of one of their town squares and then have every search term for th for it banned and pretend it never happened, which is their usual MO for whatever they don't want their citizens to know of something. Did you see they draped it in a uh, flag thing for whenever someone's not playing it? So to wind up the CCP. So it's a nationalist Chinese thing, which, you know, they're not enemies or anything, but it's it's just annoying from a native perspective. You're just like, can't we just have a piano? Yeah. Can I, can I just. Yeah. Why is everything about foreign concerns? Yeah. See the next one. Happy Australia Day, guys, and I'm going to be enjoying that fine day tomorrow, enjoying this view, writing more of my book, developing games, previews coming, and just generally enjoying this country. Australians, oh, let us rejoice, for we Young and free, say the prison colony. Sponsored by the spiders. They, they, they but... got the whole conscription thing pushed at the same time. Yeah, yeah they, they did. did. It, I... It's funny, though, isn't it, how, how these globalist messages get run out simultaneously across everywhere these days. So I wanted to ask you, because yeah. leading into your segment there, Thomas came back from Australia, and one of the things he noticed was that huge amounts of English youth have gone there. Yep. And he was saying, it's weird how all the young people, they're all English and they've all got kids and houses and whatnot. So that's what happened to everyone. They all just left and went to Australia. Is how he yeah. viewed it. So I wondered how that, that factored into your, your thinking on the uh, generation thing. Because, of course, yeah. the people here can just leave and go somewhere else. Yes. Well, I probably would. I mean, that's, that's the Peter Hitchens line, isn't it? Just leave. Denethor posting. Quite. Yes. But it seems to have already happened. It's not a happening thing. It's done particular thing for doctors, I think we lose about 10,000 a year that have been trained by the NHS and loads of them go to Australia for better pay. It's like 10 or 20 grand more per year. A, a Midwestern American in the chat is inviting you to move out there, so consider that. Anyway, let's go to the next one. Hey Lotus Eaters, this is Alex Manassa, also known as Mentor Speaking. Uh, I've released my first video on my channel, I've been working on it for about two weeks now. Uh, it's about the nuclear family and my network analysis thereof. I also provide some suggestions on how to improve things. Please check it out on YouTube at Men Are Speaking, all one word. And please enjoy. I appreciate your subscription and your comments and all that good stuff, okay? Mostly, take care of yourself. Bye. Right. Signing up to Men Are Speaking. He also had quite a good Twitter account, but I think he he got purged in the in like the very last days of the purge oh, just really? before Elon came on or something like that oh, right well yeah we uh, we appreciate alex's contribution to the gold zoom and, and this video comments so good to hear from you mate bad luck to get purged on the last day isn't it yeah it's it's a bit like you know in, on on the last day of the world 
World War where they have that one last push. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, next one. Hello, gentlemen. That advertisement from yesterday where the Welsh were using schoolgirls as bait for migrants reminded me of a story from 2020. There was a couple in California who would leave bicycles in their driveway of their house to entice criminals to try and steal them. And whenever someone walked onto their property and tried to ride off with one of their bikes, the couple would run out of their house and beat the guy with baseball bats. Now, I certainly can't condone publicly such behavior, but when it comes to protecting the country and our own citizens, well, batter up. Andrew Baker looks like Jack Nick Cave. We also had a uh, pull-up competition in the office right. the other day. Um, I think the closest person that came to me was six. I got sixteen, so I just wanted to do bragging rights. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, next one. Hello, Lord to Cities. It is uh, currently thirty-seven degrees today, and I'm staying indoors because it's too goddamn hot to go outside, despite it being Australia Day. As you know, a lot of leftists hate this day because they believe it's a celebration of Aboriginal injustices, which it is not. What these leftists forget is that it wasn't just the Aboriginals that were persecuted under the Commonwealth government, but also the convicts that were sent over here for petty crimes. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the convicts were treated akin to slaves, and that's not to mention all the other ethnic groups that came to this country that were all also mistreated. I appreciate that. I think it might have been in the God Zoom call. Someone mentioned that Australia Day isn't to do with any of that, though. So it's kind of just just irrelevant. Because Australia Day is about the day in which they got independence from us. So they got passports that said the Republic of Australia, not citizens. Oh, okay. So, right. Yeah. Let's go to the next one. I am making Anzac biscuits today on this Australia Day 2024. Jesus bloody Christ. <laughs> We're being reverse corner. <laughs> and yeah, if there are lotus eaters who come to visit Australia, you should really reach out to me. I mean, I think Callum might know my website, so ask him. Oh, yeah, and the YouTube channel Men Are Speaking, I watched his video. He's got some good points and some good ideas. I recommend people check him out. How, is, how is he able to do a video response to a comment that we made like a minute ago because he must have been talking in a discord chat or something ahead of time and they're coordinating their video anyway so craig i might actually be coming to australia later in the year details pending so Let's go the next one hi lotus eaters um this is footage of me going um i'm getting my brain scan results from the doctor all about my brain cancer and um turns out i'm probably going to be having a little bit of chemo and uh that there really knocked me back and uh it's taken me about a week to Sort of uh, pick himself back up, and uh, just wanted to say thank you guys for the amazing content and um, how helpful um, everybody in this community actually is for that. So I'm just thankful. Thank you guys. Best of luck with that, man. Yeah. Keep us updated. Well, deal. Um, well done for maintaining a positive attitude. Let's go to the written comments on the site. Yeah. <laughs> what? I've seen them. What? I haven't scrolled down. Oh, <laughs> I, I missed that. Do you want me to skip? Well, <laughs> someone's, someone's called me Harry Potter, and then Sophie Liv decided to compliment me. Look, I'm basically like, I've got a rugby ball eye, so it gives me headaches, and it's weird. It's better for reading. It turns out I was just fuzzy vision that whole time, and I never knew it. So, Oh, I heard that. Years ago. Yeah. You, I was getting, I was like getting like head brain strain or something and then it just turns out I needed glasses oh I thought it was from all the Colombian marching powder could be that I thought I'd have a Clark Kent effect so yeah. you're welcome everyone anyway so 
From my segment, Joshua Beebe. Funny how unlimited immigration from 20 to 30-year-old Ukrainian women is not acceptable, but 20 to 30-year-old North African men's is considered a positive. Quite. So, I mean, if, if we got into power, yeah. would we actually start bringing in mass immigration of low BMI 20-something women from Southeast Asia and Eastern Europe? Well, not mass immigration. You also wouldn't need it again. I'd just ban the pill so British women look better. Right. Because pill brain is a lot of reason why this has been brought in as well. Because did you know they don't have a stress response? I might bring in a few, a few tens of thousands of, of young hot women. Though. Yeah, we can, we can negotiate well, for yourself personally. <laughs> 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 well, running the country is tiresome work. You need, okay. you need some sort of, you know. Dan is bunga bunga minister. Yes. Um, can you scroll down slightly? Because I've got a mouth. Yeah. Uh, someone online without foreign slave labour who will scrub my toilets. Yeah, that was uh, what was her name? Ozzy Osbourne's daughter, wasn't it? Um, Risto. Humans are exactly like Bitcoin. That's a... Okay. It takes work to educate and manufacture one, and you can't just make anyone a nuclear engineer. These daft twigs have started treating Dogecoin and Bitcoin as the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, I like that, actually. Yeah, I like that. It's definitely a finance bro analogy, isn't it? Noise Marine. I've noticed fast food delivery charges have gone down to 10p per delivery. used to be about £2. Mass immigration is now starting to affect the migrant labour as well. Well, this is why I just don't use delivery services. I, I, I refuse to use Uber Eats and things like that. I just don't want to give them the money. They, they linger, one of my local high streets, they linger about on mopeds and leer at schoolgirls. You shouldn't be here. Anyway, I'll only do like one or two more. Um, JJHW, social housing equals gr- bringing criminals into your area. I would like to see the social housing map overlaid with the uh, drill rat map that Harry keeps referring to as well. Uh, and Richard Monacadum, sorry. Zamor, his words say it all, my French is still good. You won't hear such contempt for the status quo or what we have to put up with as natives, all in the name of what exactly? Whitehall, what a hole. Doesn't look like England anymore, like most of the cities. Yeah, well, walking around it, I mean, I knew how bad it was, but even then, being in person was still a shock. We also had to move out of the front of the mosque because worship ended, and we thought we'd scarper pretty quickly. Anyway, Callum. All right. Uh, Peter Harvey says, Russia doesn't want to invade NATO. Putin's made it clear that NATO uh, can't have Ukraine, and that's it. Putin isn't interested in going further because losing just Ukraine would lose them the Black Sea. The call for conscription to fight Russia is probably because both sides don't want to give up on Ukraine. So I think, I think it's something slightly different. If, if you look at the 2021 WEF report, um, they did a they did a risks report and and the th- the key message that they had in there is that in order to deliver the green revolution that they want, they need the minerals that are sitting under Russia. I mean, it's non-negotiable. You cannot have the green revolution that they that they have baked into absolutely everything, and not have Russia. You might have uh. to explain what you're talking about. Oh, so so Russia is basically sitting on a shit ton of of minerals, metals, and and other commodities. It's something absurd. It's something no green revolution. That's the bit I thought. Like net zero, oh, okay. so yeah, transitioning off of oil yeah. and gas onto renewables. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's something absurd. Like Russia is sitting on like ninety percent of the world's commodities. So it and and thing is the problem is is those commodities have been quite cheap commodities, but they're 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 growing in importance. So basically, that WEF report was saying that we need Russia, and there's two ways that you can you can do it. One is that you basically just pay Russia the going rate, and they extract them in which case Russia gets incrementally more wealthy, or you can do something else. 
And I think that's a lot of what's driving this. It's not. It's not that. It's not what Russia needs. It's that we need Russia. That's what's driving this. That's also why they're so keen on cozying up to the Chinese because they want access to the mineral processing plants and all of the mineral reserves that are on their Belt and Road program. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You going to do any more from yours, or shall I? No, I'm just thinking about the comment in question because that was kind of. I'm going to say boring at this point, but it's clear that both sides have become sort of like, oh, okay, this is just a thing we're dealing with. Yeah. It's gone to that stage of the conflict where everyone's accepting this is going to go on for another 10 bloody years mm. and just be something in the background. But I get, I get the feeling that the, the West, they'll give up first. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, you remember at the start, they really wanted regime change. They re- what they really wanted That's was, was a Russian Justin Trudeau. Because the, the obsession with like, Man, we need to win in Ukraine, but that's just not worked. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, maybe there'll be some fantastic comeback and, and that'll happen, but I just I don't see any reason why it should. Yeah. So the, the idea that instead we end up going to war with Russia and that's a war we can win. Oh, yeah, it's bonkers. It's just, it's just absurd, no especially one, the UK. No one's going to sign up. I'm not. Because yeah. it, it, it stinks to me, obviously, like NATO isn't going to, sorry, Russia isn't going to invade NATO whilst yeah. it's currently in a war. One that is quite embarrassing for it to not have won already. Yes, like that doesn't make any sense. So there's just right, and, actual and it, yeah, and even if America gets involved, so they're already in a war in Ukraine. They're already in a war in Gaza. Well, they, America they, can deal with that. Though. Yeah, they're looking at a war in Yemen, possibly Iran, and also Texas. They can't be fighting five wars at once. Texas one is the expensive one. Yeah, but the the Americans can do mad things. Their military is unbelievable, but. This this obvious false flag of like, man, the Russians are about to invade Germany. Yeah. It just stinks. Stinks oh, so it's, much. It's bonkers, yeah. I'll read one more on this. So Kevin Fox says, I did 23 years in the army. Thankfully, I'm too old to be called up now. However, if I was young enough to be called up, no way in hell would I do it. We veterans have been effed over by our government for decades to the point that uh, were they to forcibly sign us up, the only ways we would agree would be to get armed and take over the vehicles and head straight for Westminster. Maybe not Fed Deal Post. With problems there. Yep. But he's, he's making a great point, which is that um, so many people I know who served in the army also just, like, I would never do it again right now. It's madness. Yeah. And if they were forced to, what their stories about the whole time is like, I, I have no love for the state at this point after yep. how they treated us. So you can't rely on those guys. You can't rely on the new generation. You can't rely on the new Europeans. Totally. So what have you got? Well, they're literally housing migrants in military barracks. While veterans sleep on the street. Yeah, quite. Baron von Warhawk says, I think this Monopoly game is perfect for explaining how messed up young adults are these days. They have little ability to gain wealth or build housing, so the future is quite dim. With so much pessimism, no purpose. Spending their time indulging every whim, whether it be sex, drugs, drinking, or gender change per se. Well, I mean, the boomers did plenty of sex and drugs as well. But the Gen Z are having less sex and drinking less than yeah. pretty much every generation price. They're not even doing that. They're just sitting at home on the computers. Yeah. They're fucking yeah, depressed. Yeah. Fair point. Sorry. Um, Furious Dan says, as somebody with a literal boomer mother who never owned her own home, I'm not impressed with the intergenerational animosity I see on X. Yeah, so that's the thing. If you're a boomer who didn't buy a house, you are kind of really screwed, actually, because that was the the reason they won as a generation is because they bought houses. If 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 you're a boomer who never bought a house, then all you basically got was stagnating wages your entire life. So so you know, that's not a great position. Screw tapes laser, watching my boomer relative collect. Three million in pensions for twenty-year career is pretty crazy. Fucking hell! Yeah, yeah. sounds about right. Um, I'm trying to buy a house now. Three hundred k gets you an absolute disaster or a cute two-bedroom with no yard. 
Yeah, so that was Maximum Toaster. Uh, the Crusader says the house price graph tells a story. Huh? Right around 1997 is when it starts getting parabolic. Yeah, I mean, it would have looked parabolic post-1971 if it wasn't for then also 1997. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, just two effects. Um, Black Absol says, to the Zoomers who are finding this depressing, you say, as I have my head down on my desk at work, earning barely above the minimum wage, waiting out the last few hours before I take the bus back home I have... Uh, where I've lived since I was 12. At least I don't have to sit and eat dinner alone, I, I guess. I could yes. have actually written that comment. Yes, well, um, chin up, Black Absol. I would like to give you some, some, some words of encouragement. I can't, but I would like to. <laughs> Baron von Warhawk says, okay, renter, say this to rub it in that will never own their own house. Uh, whose fault is that, Boomer? Whose fault is it? God, I hate Boomers. Yeah, but that's what they want you to say. They no, they're, they're, good, they're good people, um, but they just... I, I just think that they could appreciate how well they've done and not rub it in the face of Zooms. I would like to give some good advice to that chap because you may be in a shit situation, but if you can't control that, what can you do? Yes. And just getting depressed does nothing. Yes. So if you want good advice, the, the good advice is how to build wealth. And I'd recommend Dave Ramsey. I know he's probably well-known in America. He's not here. Not because he's anything special. It's just good, solid advice about how to make sure you're saving money and then making sure you're actually planting the crops in the hope that line go yeah. up and you actually get money out of it. Even if you can't get to the point of buying a house to invest that way. Yeah. What we can do in our situation, even though it's bad, is, is learn how to build wealth. And yeah. doing that through your work, making sure your income is maximized, doing whatever you need to do to make sure that happens. And then taking the money you've got, not wasting it, and then using it to make sure you have more money in future. That's all we can do. So that's actually well. Actually, to to, to this black absol bloke, I'll just point out. I, I think this is going to have to change because it because it simply has to. It has to change. So I think it will. I but, appreciate that. I just don't want yeah. people being um. Yeah. What does he call them? Waiters. When you're yeah. just waiting for your parents to die. Because oh, yeah, you need to do everything you can. But I just I just don't think it's going to be rigged against you forever because um it 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 just can't it cannot remain like this. Sure. It's just, uh, but really don't wait on your parents to die because they don't actually owe you any of that money at all. If they want to shove it up their nose or ass, it's, it's their business. It's their money. So the idea you can just wait for your grandparents to die and then they'll be rich. No, they, yeah. they might not even have you in the will. So there you are. Anyway, that's all we have time for. If you'd like more, website. If not, not. Bye. Cheerio. Cheerio.